Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Everybody, it's me, Lauren Ash, about to tell you about this week's episode. We realized that we weren't going to have an episode this week um, in order to give us a break over Christmas. And then we realized that this is December 26th, and these two chuckleheads are anything but Grinches. So we put together a Taste of Patreon episode. If you're interested and want to know what we're doing over there, we're going to have two episodes here. We're going to have a last call bonus episode and a happy hour bonus episode. For you to take a listen to and uh, just see what you think, see what you like. If you already are a member over on Patreon, thank you for your support. Um, and here's, you know, a couple episodes you may have already heard, but what a fun little romp during this holiday week. Um, so sit back and enjoy. This first episode is a last call that aired in December of 2022. And it, of course, focuses on some Santa Claus robberies. So stay tuned and check it out right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this last call episode of True Crime and Cocktails, a Patreon exclusive. We're so glad that you're here. As always, I am your host, Lauren Ash. And as always, I am joined by my co-hostess with the most S, Christy Oxborough. How you feeling? Boy, I'm going to be honest. I'm just a bucket of nerves. Bucket? I... <laughs> Bag of worms, bucket of nerves. Makes sense. Yeah. 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 They both feel the same internally, I bet. Sure. Yeah, sure. I'm sure of it. Um, yeah. what's up? Well, it's just, you know, I'm just being an adult is the thing. The oh. thing is, I, um, I am an anxious person. Sure. Always have been. It's Same. gotten worse over the years. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm uncomfortable with, with, with crowds. I'm uncomfortable with crowds of people I don't know. I'm uncomfortable about a lot of things, but I, uh, I have a, I have a meeting that I have to attend, uh, when we're done recording this. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, I'm sick about it. 
oh god it's just being an adult right it's just me being an adult like i'll just straight up say it but everyone's gonna be like oh my god what is it the answer is i volunteered for the grad committee <laughs> for the high school yeah yeah because i did grade eight grad and then I felt like, oh, I guess I should do when he gets to grade 12. But that's future me's problem. It's future me. Yeah. She's <laughs> here me. now. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. I get it. I, I get it. I get it. Look, I'm just, I just don't like going into unknown. So I will say uh, I was up middle of the night. Uh, if I didn't want anyone to know, I shouldn't have responded to one of your texts at that point because the first text you sent me was like, were you awake? Yeah. I yeah. was. I was because I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to look at the email that tells me about this meeting. Get sure. all the information I can about it by rereading it again. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, okay. There appears to be about 20 of us because there's one person who's the principal who always attends this sort of thing. And then there's one person who is like last year's chairperson. Do not let me put my hand in for chairperson. I don't have that kind of time. I barely have the time to uh, to do this, but it just it's what I do. Um, so I go through the list. I'm like, I click on the who it's to. Bless them, they didn't block anything, so I could see all of the names of the people coming. Um, today I went through them with my son, so he could tell me who the kid was, so I knew if I knew the parent. So then I was like, oh, okay, then I know approximately this pe these people, so it's fine. So I read through it and it's giving us a bare bones. Like this is what the meeting is going to be. We're going to figure out, we're going to separate into subcommittees. We're going to go on, like, we're going to do all of this. And the hottest thing in my life that I've ever read. Actually, I'm going to see if I can pull it up so I can quote it exactly. So everyone could be as hot for it as I was. I can't wait. The answer is nobody's gonna be a top for it because i know it's a problem but oh god where it is grad committee here we go um oh shit this isn't the right email okay the point is there is um fuck. yeah i can't find it oh that's too bad anyhow i've been told that there is going to be like that uh, there's multiple things that you have to do for this grad. So there's a bunch of different sections and all of those sections from past years are put into a binder that we have <laughs> access to <laughs> like unlimited access. Uh, that's awesome. Binders of information. I am hot over it. Like I couldn't be more excited. I was like that, that, like lowered my anxiety slightly and then I was like oh my god do you think they'd let me I don't even want to say it but borrow the thing <laughs> I don't know I don't know maybe they have some sort of library checkout system for the for the grad binders well the the meeting is being held at the library well so. that bodes well it does. I'm just concerned that being surrounded by that smell of old books, I'm going to have to poop. <laughs> you, you know how, like, you walk into a library and your body goes, uh-oh. Uh -oh. 
I, I, I don't. Um, <laughs> it's always a mall for me. It's always a mall every time, every single me, time. For me, it's the scent of a lot of books. So if that Beauty and the Beast castle, I'd be fucked. Oh yeah, I'd walk get the in, bidet. I'd walk in there and immediately walk out. Uh, yeah, <laughs> library, bookstore. So new book, old book doesn't matter. Mostly the old book uh, gets me more than anything. Yeah, sure. Reveal to come in off the. T- I like it. Literature laxative. It makes sense. Oh, makes sense. if we can, if we can do something that rhymes with that, right? Well, I'm then, taking uh, notes. Of I'm taking notes. Are. Of course you are. Um, well, yeah. it's it's funny. I I do have to tell you that a friend of the podcast, Leslie Seiler, she once said almost verbatim the same thing to me. Only she said, "You know how it is. You walk into a card store and then you immediately have to shit." <laughs> so what I like is that it's also paper based. There feels like there's something it there. Is. It is. It is. It's just because your brain thinks trees, which somehow leads to just nature's toilet paper. I, I guess so. I don't even know. Maybe that's our instinct. It's like, oh, there's so many options here. I wouldn't be screwed, you know? Like, I wouldn't have to use my own hand. Like, that kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) This is is really taking a turn. What I like (laughs) is we flipped it today because of the scheduling. We did. We flipped it. So we're recording this first. So this is a first call, last call. Yeah. Oh, I like that. First call, last call. Yeah. and uh, but what what I love about it is that typically it always feels like our energy is jagged little pill from recording a full episode first. But this is just us yeah. coming in hot. Maybe it's because yeah. we didn't really chat first. Typically, when we log in, we'll we'll yes. chat for a bit. But it was like, let's just get into it. And and maybe yeah. we're getting our we're getting our yayas out. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a nice uh, explanation for it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think also it was the moment of like, we got to hit record. Cause we gotta, we gotta then wrap things up because this, like the second we're done, yep. I gotta go. I'm not even changing. I'm just going full peekaboo desperado oh. and uh, I'm just going to leave, go to that meeting, be sick about it. Cause I am also, I'm also very nervous to be around um, authority figures <laughs> and the principal is one of the worst for me. <laughs> He has no jurisdiction over you. He or she. I know. I know. He. Yes. Yeah. He is. He is a lovely gentleman. Lovely. Makes me so nervous. You're not going to get a detention is my point. Like he can't do that. Oh, maybe I want to (laughs) try. I got in trouble for for that. Yeah. Like there is a part of me that's like, what's the worst they could do? And it's like, your kid does go to the school. Calm down. Yeah. But, uh. But yeah, I've also never done uh, a grade 12 grad. And I know sure. that's a step up from the elementary school grad. So I'm sick about it. I don't know what to think. I don't know what committees are there are going to be. I have to f- join as few as I can. Like I, I told my son I volunteered for this. And he's like, you don't have time. What are you doing? And I was like, I'm being supportive. I'm showing you that I care. I'm getting in there and being as involved as I can be. I cannot wait to find out how many committees I'm going to join. Oh, yeah. They're going to be like, anyone? Christy again? (laughs) Anyone besides Christy? Anyone else? No. No one? 
Okay. It's going to turn into that, like any questions and I'm going to be that person in the corner, like with my hand up and they'll be like, for real though, like <laughs> any questions, anybody else. Yeah. I'm just wondering, are we allowed to highlight in the binders? I'm sure it's a no. <laughs> I'm sure it's a no, but I wanted to ask. Yeah. Um, you know what? I'll just put them in a plastic sleeve, highlight the outside. You'll never know. So sorry. I got, I got a system ready. I have a few yeah. questions. One, yes. how many students are in the graduating class? I don't know, but if I had to guess, probably like 75 to 100-ish. Maybe a little more. How many people do you need on this grad committee? I could throw a party for them like that by myself. Well, it's the the school de deals with one thing. I can't remember what they said. Oh, the school deals with the cap and gown situation. Sure. We are then responsible for photos, which means fucking organizing this massive group of teenagers onto the outside of the school staircase to, it's going to be a thing so then like last night I kept myself awake going oh god that means I'm really going to have to help out on that day oh god I'm going to be setting up oh god there's going to be teens like I'm because authority figures and then teenagers those are the two things that scare me yeah. um, there's many things that scare me but mostly those um, they're also, I assume, they did not say, but I assume we're going to have to come up with the, like, after-grad party. Right. And then there is something else that they said we have to organize. And that might be, like, the grad with, like, the full dinner with families. Ooh. So I'm already, like, Too much going to volunteer for that one. I did say to my husband, and this is embarrassing, which is why I'll only share it with our closest friends here. Yes. Um... I did say in earnest, if I, if I, if I'm like helping with like the, uh, any sort of like the, the grand march, that's one of the other things we have to do with the kids that walk in. I was like, um, do you, do you think they'd let me make the playlist? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, I can't even imagine. I'm like, just vitamin C on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> the joke is that the song's so old it's new again these yeah. kids won't have heard it no they'll be like what is this revelation and i'll be like that's mama oxborough is what that is. mama oxborough stop excuse me i'd prefer it if you went by your official name mama nugs <laughs> i did uh oh i signed up for some, i was on some game or something and it was like oh you have to have a name right you have to have a nickname and so i was like oh i don't know and then I tried one name and it was like, well, it's been taken. So then I was like, Mama Nugs. And one of my kids was like leaning over my shoulder without me noticing. And I was like, Mama Nugs, whatever. And I just hear a, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was like, it's a, I'm like, oh, I can't get into that. She's a madam. Like it's all, it's not. Yeah. No, there's layers yeah, to it that it the children really don't need to know. But you know. Yeah. I just went, I like nuggets. Yeah. And we left it at that. I think that's fair. I think that's more but than yeah. fair. Yeah, I don't know, like, the fact that we're starting in December, and then it's like, we're going to hear from the person who was, like, chairperson last year, and what they did, and then we're, like, there's going to be so many phone calls I'm also probably going to have to make. How did our things? grad like, get done? I just feel like it, we didn't even, it wasn't even a thing. Well, see, this is the thing. I graduated from the very same school Yeah. that I'm uh, doing this grad for. 
I didn't go to mine. I didn't attend any part of it. So. Yeah. That would have been nice. Past well, you're going to love this. So I knew what to expect. <laughs> you're going to love this. I'm realizing. Yeah. So our grad was just in a bigger, we went to like a, a school, another school or a college or something that had, big, had a bigger gymnasium type yeah. thing. Yeah. They did all the awards. And then I organized the grad party. I'm realizing this. <laughs> and uh, so like you just went and you got your awards or whatever. Yeah. You got your thing. You got your, your diploma. Then it was like, go do whatever for dinner. Yeah. And then I organized a party at a bar. How did I pull that off, by the way? I don't know, but I did. She's always been and she's always been. Yep. It's very true. But that was it. Wow. Yeah. Oh, this is like they do a cap and gown thing where all the parents are there and they get their awards and their diplomas and whatever. And then we go and that might turn into a dinner because it has in the past. I don't know. I'll find out. Can't wait. Then there's a specific event just called the Grand March where they literally just walk in pairs through a gym and then walk back out again. Yeah. Uh, and then at some point we have to do photos and then I assume the photos are around the Grand March because they're going to be all dressed up. Uh, and then there's going to be the after party that we would have to figure out. Wow. And And I'm already like, where can we rent like the big beer tubs full of ice so we can have like waters, Gatorades, appropriate teenage age things, but in like the big beer tub type things so they can feel like they're at a bar without being at a bar, you know? Yeah. Well, good on you. Oh, I'm see, I think that's, that's where my heart's going is if it's, there's anything of like the after bit. I'm like, yeah, let's do that. And then partway through, we get a food truck. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm ready for this. I'm going to give, I want to give them a bar night without the bar, you know, unless it's at a bar, if we can pull that off. Yeah. Where they just don't serve alcohol. I See, mean, I think for us, it was that there was a certain amount of us that were 19 at the time. Cause there was still OAC, it, which was yeah, grade 13, 13, right? Yeah. So it was, I mean, I don't think I was of age, but I think that a lot of people were. So it was like, that's fine. Huh? Yeah. Oh God. They're going to want me to chaperone. Yeah, they are. Why? I'm not going to volunteer for that committee. Ah, <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't want to, Oh, I, I also can't be the person who looks for volunteers for that kind of thing. Oh, Maybe you'll come alive. How about this? Think about it like being a mob boss. You're the mob oh, boss. You have to pick yeah. the people to do your dirty work. I need to enter this room with full cookies energy. Yeah. If you had the time, I'd say get on the full outfit. Sunglasses, everything. If I had the time, I'd get those nails on. But the joke I is, it's I would pull off my mitten and I'd have like three nails <laughs> missing. And it would lose some of the effect. Well, you know. I should know. find my faux fur. You should. You should. Well, I'll have you know that while yeah. you're doing that today, on the break that I have, I'll be opening, yeah. unboxing my brand new electric guitar that just got delivered. Hey. Yeah. yeah. What? Practice, practice guitar. If I may. Yeah. What, uh, what color you go for? You're going to oh, love this. You're, you're going to love this. With it. No. Well, here's, this is the most Lauren Ash answer 
you will have ever heard in your life. Yeah. I was trying to get, I wanted hot pink. Hot pink, of course. But I'm trying to, I was trying to figure out like, the electric guitar that I had in high school was ob obscenely heavy, just so heavy. And so my main thing was like, what are the smallest um, or rather lightest guitars, electric guitars, because sure. I will be playing this. Uh, it will be hanging from my body. I am yeah. 40 almost, you know, like I need to be practical. You're being so reasonable. Yeah. Yes. So unfortunately, I couldn't find anything in that color in the, the model that I wanted. Oh. So. But. <clears throat> I got a practice kit. So basically it's like a little practice amp, the, the cords, like whatever. I don't have any of this stuff. So I was like, I just need something delivered to my house so I could start sure. practicing for my 40th birthday extravaganza, um, in which I will be performing, dear listeners. Anyway, uh, but the colors that came in this package of the guitars, I wasn't impressed. Oh. I wasn't impressed. So the one that came is like a blue. Mm. Oh. Eh. So I ordered a second guitar <laughs> and I want to remind you, this is yeah. a practice guitar. There's a potential that I might buy a nicer guitar to actually play on stage, but I've gotten two now because I just didn't care for the blue color. Blue's great, but just, it's just not, it's just not a Lauren Ash color in my opinion. Um, so the, the one that I have coming that will do is a, just a cherry red sparkle. Hey. Oh, that's. Those and now are three we're words back I in the game to yeah. describe you. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Yes. Okay. The That's guitar good. that I really want, there's a guitar I really want, and it is like a champagne colored sparkle. It's gorgeous. Hey. It's very expensive, which is fine because I'm like, oh, this is like my birthday gift to myself. But again, some of the reviews said a little heavy, and that is my Ooh. bigger concern. So, right. but I haven't played an electric guitar in, oh my God, I don't even know how many years, well over a decade. Um, probably longer. So, uh, I, I just knew that I was like, I'm so busy with work and everything. I was like, if I ha have to rely on going into a store and buying one, I'm going to put it sure. off because I don't know about anybody else out there who may be a musician, but as a woman going into those stores is hell because it's all like, okay, you don't know, you want, you want the hot pink one. Um, but the answer, Jeremy, is that I also did my research. So... First of all, thank you for when discussing a music employee, what you uh, chose to go with Jeremy. Uh, th that was uh, terrible, Eddie Vitter. But was great. I like Jeremy. I like that, that that works. Yeah. I get it. And look, I get the whole go to the actual store, but it is so convenient to not to. Yeah. I don't like to go into any stores ever if I don't have to. Ever. Sure. Ever. <laughs> well, it's probably because every time I went into a mall, I used to shit myself. But the point is, um, I'm kidding. Uh, but yeah, this was just for me. And again, it's, it was also a very good deal, like a very cheap situation, right. which was why I could get the two because it was far below my budget. So I was like, well, this will be good in the meantime. And then maybe I'll, sure. you know, I'll put on a little of that cookies energy and yes. if I want to go in and try out some of the nicer ones down the road. But for now, I was like, I just need to get one in the house. Because as soon as yeah. this show wraps, these nails are coming off, and I'm getting into that guitar. I'm got, I got, I've got, I've got a lot of songs to learn, and not a lot of time, not well, a lot of time. I, I like this energy. I like this project for you. Yep, yep, yep. I also appreciate you uh, moving around your schedule. 
uh, for this old broad. Oh, that, that's not a problem. You, I had today off me about this day a week ago, and I was like, "Yeah, we're all good. I got yeah. nothing." And then all of a sudden, I did. <gasps> I have that meeting. But the good news was is that I randomly had today off, which is a rarity for me. But I thought I had all these plans of all the cleaning, all the shit I was going to do around this house. What did I do? Oh, just made merch for my birthday party. The shirts that people will get when they attend my birthday party, because that's priority number one, clearly. Uh, And then I just made a floral arrangement. Because I had made a floral arrangement for, for a friend's baby shower over the weekend. And I had some leftovers that have been sitting there. Not anything being done with them. That won't do. So then I, I put on a true crime doc. I, I arranged those flowers and the whole time felt guilty. Do you ever do that? Where it's like, what am I doing? There's so much I should be doing. This is not. And then I was like, just take the 40 minutes. It was even less than that. I was like, and just do this for you. You like it. It's relaxing for you. You're fine. There, I believe, is a specific term or name for that. I can't remember what it is in this moment. But absolutely, yeah. anytime, anytime that if I happen to be done in the same day before our record, immediately I'm like, well, I better find something else to do because I can't waste this time. It's like, yep, or, or for two seconds, like yeah. tonight is wild. I spent my afternoon uh, working on. Uh, something for cosplay season, which I can't get into. Hello. Uh, and then as soon as that was done, it was come and record this. Then I got to go to the school to deal with that. And then I come back and then we have to record a full episode. There's so, no rest for the wicked. There's there's no rest. No. It's, uh, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Yeah. If I come home with the binder, they're not going to give me the binder on the first day. Okay. So they have to, I have to, they have to, I have to earn the trust, but I just, this is the, this is the problem. If I bring this energy, they're going to be like, okay, you should probably be the chairperson. And I'll be like, no. Yeah. You have to be careful. You got to mitigate how much you bring energetically in the moment. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Although I know based on the people I know who are going, I already can tell you who's going to put her hat in the ring for that because- she don't play second fiddle to no one. Let me that guess. She's married woman. to Jeremy. Pretty close. Uh-huh. <laughs> Pretty close. Uh, well, listen, the other thing you know that's going to happen, though, that I worry about is if 20 yeah. people have signed up now, ain't going to be 20 people that day. On oh. that grad day, people are going to drop out. They're going to fade away. One of the women specifically on the list, I rolled my eyes when my kid told me, who the kid who this parent was uh because i realized they were on the grade eight grad committee with me they came to the first meeting and that was it they didn't come to any of the meetings after and those were the meetings we were actually like making decorations and doing all this kind of stuff um and then on the day of to decorate they showed up three hours after the rest of us and we're like, oh, what should we do? And we were like, oh, I don't know, here. And we gave them a task of creating a sign. And it was like the sign was there. They had like all the letters. They just had to write it. And they were like, so should we put like congrats class of 2019 or whatever it was? I don't want to do the math. 
Uh, and I was, uh, we were like, yeah, that'd be great. And we turned around and they had put 2K19 and that ate me alive. I was like, <laughs> I was like, it's, uh, it's not uh, the level for this event. This event being held in an elementary school gym and it was fucking beach themed, Christy, <laughs> calm down. The point is, I just want the kids to have such a good time. I know. And I'm like, I just, I don't, I don't want to let them down because now they're all my kids and I want them to all have a, uh, have a great time. And so I'm like, oh, I, oh God. I have no doubt. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be, it's going to be fine. I don't even know. Do kids do themes for grade 12 grads anymore? I don't even know. I mean, we were lucky that I found a dingy bar that would let a bunch of underage kids in and turn a blind eye to underage drinking. I have no idea. I have no frame of reference. Proms have themes, but I don't know if grads have themes. Well, see, and that's the thing. Because we don't do prom. No prom? No. This isn't their prom, basically. Well, then what about the dance? Well, that's what I'm saying is I think that's the after-grad stuff that we might that uh, might be one of the things we have to no, organize. Okay, and let look, me tell you, that's where my heart's at. Okay, here's the deal. I'll help we, them set up whatever. Uh, that week of my life is, is going to be a lot, but I'll do it. We have to get into the content here because we've 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 prattled on for some time. But I <laughs> have to put a pin in this because we need to have a larger yeah. conversation. We had a full prom. That's why grad was kind of secondary. It was like, you just get your diplomas and you get your sack of awards. Oh, sorry. That was just me. Anyway. <laughs> there she is. I couldn't resist yeah. it. I couldn't resist it. No. Um, Nord. But we had, but we had already had prom at that point, which is like oh, yeah, a no, big deal. Is... We had, a, do they have oh. formals? Not really. Semi-formals? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... So far this year, they've had one dance and it was like a fall dance. One thing. dance? Yeah, they, they're they, just basically they keeping might do these a, children in cages. This is ridiculous. They might do a spring one, but then other than that, that's it. Two dances in a year? We had a monthly yeah. dance, a fall semi-formal, a winter formal, a spring formal, wow. and, yeah. and prom. Wow, that's, yeah, that is not grad and prom so sorry yeah i've been using them inter interchange because that's it changes the same everything over here now i understand why you need so many people and there's so much to do now i get it i thought mm -hmm. i my my perception was completely off well look this is a bigger conversation because i have a lot of a lot of thoughts and yeah there's got to be a theme if there's a dance involved yeah may i suggest well, one, one under mother were you gonna say under the sea no no okay <laughs> go ahead well, I was just going to say one mother I spoke to who is not on the committee because she couldn't bring herself to be bothered and I love her for it. She was just like, I can't. Um, and then she asked if I was and I went, probably. And she went, what are you doing? You don't have time. I'm like, I know. This is just what it is. She suggested instead of doing like the big sit down dinner, whatever, we get multiple food trucks and make it more of a laid back thing and the kids can get whatever they want for food. And it's just more of a relaxed event. And they took a vote and like almost every single girl vetoed that. The girls yeah, want to be princesses. They want to wear their dresses. They want glam. They want 
Well, it's not like Lord they've had semi-formals and formals to tide them over. So yeah, I'm going to side with the teen girls on this. Sorry. Yeah. And hey, the elementary school is having the first dance in like a week or two. Like the first dance of the year. First dance of the year. Yeah, it'll be the winter one. And then they probably won't have one again for elementary. I cannot believe this has rocked you so hard. This I... What I'm putting together in this moment, yeah, that I truly have never put together before, yeah, I don't think I realized how much I valued those parties, and now yeah. it makes complete sense in my adult life, given how I throw parties, that I'm chasing, yep, You're a chasing high. high, yeah, oh and my God. I surpass it certainly, but if I could pull off, they wouldn't appreciate it or want it. If I could pull off. Like a full-on much music video dance type thing. Mm. It would be totes retro. I'm so sorry. I won't do that again. It's okay. It's okay. I, I appreciated it. No, I, well, listen, uh, on that yeah. note, let's totes get yeah. into the true crime that you've got for us. Yeah. I would reference the episode that we were just recorded, but we didn't. And I haven't printed out the schedule yet. So I'm also like, it's, it's a heist with Santa. That's not right. Yes. Well, well no, it is. Well, it was. Uh, cause this line may be a, uh, slight spoiler, but I mean, it's, that's basically what it is. Uh, but since we're about to, can you tell I changed that on the fly? Yeah. Uh, talk about an episode or do an episode about a robbery that involved a man dressed as Santa Claus. Yeah. I thought I would share some other quick cases of Santa's gone bad. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Uh, so I think I, let's see, I've got six here. And I'm excited to say international. Ah. We go over the globe with these. So uh, on February 19th, 2010, 23-year-old Sean Chanel uh, attempted to break into a home in the 7700 block of Seward Park Avenue South in Seattle, Washington. Sean, who was dressed as Santa Claus, tried to enter the home by climbing down the chimney. Unfortunately, he got stuck and police and fire crews were called to the scene at 5.40 p.m. Crews needed to remove bricks from the chimney to get Sean free. Oh, my God. The couple who owned the home were on vacation in Mexico at the time. A neighbor walking by heard Sean's screams for help and called the police. Sean was freed after being stuck for nearly six hours. He told police he was simply trying to retrieve his backpack which was found near the home's garage, not down the chimney. A screwdriver was also found near the front door of the home. Sean was charged with attempted burglary and sentenced to 17 months in prison. He had previous convictions for possession of a stolen vehicle and for felony drug convictions. Oof. But I will say I did laugh out loud to hear he dressed as Santa climbed down a chimney because they all think it looks easier than it is as though I've ever done it. <laughs> ah, but I just love that, that he got stuck. Yeah. That's very funny to me. He didn't get hurt. That's why I can say it's funny. Of uh, number two, on November, on November 29th, 2010, two men entered the WAMP NGA Holdings office building in Mount Hagen, Western Highlands Province in Papua New Guinea. Oh! One of the men was dressed in a Santa suit. The other was carrying a box 
which he said was full of presents from a local coffee and tea producer. The two men used the ruse to get past security. Then they told the employees they had gifts for everyone, uh, which they would hand out in the boardroom. But once everybody got into the boardroom, the two men pulled out guns and locked everyone inside. The two men uh, took 50,000 kina, uh, which in 2010 was about 20,000 US dollars from the company's accounts department before walking out the front door. And from the best I can tell, they were never caught. Oh, wow. Yeah. I love the ruse of like, here, we've got all these gifts. And they were like, oh, generous. Get in there. Not a check them out. Not a right. anything. Who just... sent you? Who hired yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. Nothing weird. Just it's that time of year. Get in there. And even then it was November 29th. Yeah. Early. Yeah. Early. But I'm not shaming them. I'm just, I mean, that was a, a brilliant plan. Yeah. Uh, then we have December 20th, 2010. Two men dressed as Santa or Father Christmas robbed a supermarket in Berlin, Germany. When the men were asked to remove their disguises, one pulled out a gun and demanded money. The suspects got away with more than 5,000 pounds, which at the time was equivalent to about 7,700 US dollars. And again, nothing has been publicly said that they were ever caught. Wow. Uh, then we have shortly before 2 a.m. on December 24th, 2010, two men dressed as Santa overpowered a guard at the Royal Palace in Stockholm, Sweden. They assaulted him and ran off with the guard's loaded AK-5 automatic rifle. A second soldier tried to pursue the suspects, but they escaped in a nearby parked car. From what I can tell, as of December 2022, that case remains unsolved. Wow. Yeah. Next up, around 3.15 a.m. on December 17th, 2011, two men, including one wearing a Santa hat and the other in a mask, broke into the Sportco Sporting Goods Store in Fife, Washington, and stole 44 guns in less than four minutes. According to the security camera footage, the men broke the glass on the front door of the store, then broke the glass of a gun display case. A police officer arrived at the store 30 seconds after being dispatched, and the thieves were already long gone. The guns, which included 42 handguns and two rifles, were said to be worth $21,000 at the time. Police believed that a white Honda was connected to the crime. They also received an anonymous tip that 21-year-old David Bunta was involved in the crime, and when he was found, Bunta, Bunta was at the same address as a white Honda. Bunta was arrested and police searched his vehicle and found two black ski masks, a nine millimeter pistol, two rolls of duct tape, and four pairs of gloves. Bunta confessed to the crime, but refused to name his co-conspirator. After police witnessed 32-year-old Sun, Sun uh, driving the, the same white Honda, he was also arrested. Police found a 9 millimeter handgun in the vehicle's trunk and another on Sun's person. Both weapons had been taken during that sport co-heist. So it, what a way to say you weren't involved when you have guns. Right. Uh, overall, 10 men were arrested in connection with the crime and most were convicted. As of June 2013, nine of the stolen weapons had been recovered. 
one of which was used in a carjacking in Connecticut. Another was recovered after possibly being used in a drive-by in Tacoma. How it got all the way to Connecticut, yeah. I'll never know, but it's horrifying that they uh, stole those guns and just put them on the street. Yeah. That's horrifying. Uh, and then finally, in December 2011, a middle-aged man dressed as Santa wandered the Christmas markets in Berlin, Germany, handing out drinks. However, it turns out the drinks had been laced with liquid ecstasy. Police reported that 13 people were physically ill and had memory loss after accepting the drinks from the suspect. Two required brief hospitalizations. The victims all seemed to be under the age of 43, with the youngest victim being just 15. Mm. The thing about the 15-year-old is that she may have been a victim of a second poisoner as the cherry brandy that she was given was laced with a date rape drug. Oh my God. As opposed to ecstasy, like the other victims. The suspect is believed to be a German man between 40 and 45 years old, approximately 5'11", or 1.8 meters, with dirty blonde hair. And from what I can tell, he has never been found. If he has, they never went, they never mentioned it publicly. Right. So, that wasn't overly dark. Right. But still. Of course. I like, I like a list. And I like light. Now, since it's the holiday season, which I've been saying since November 1st, <laughs> uh, I thought I would do some sort of fun holiday list. But then I thought there's probably a lot of people listening who don't celebrate Christmas and probably a lot of people, whether they celebrate it or not, who find this time of year particularly hard. So with all those people in mind, may I present to you in no particular order, my top 20 songs that fill me with instant joy. Because <laughs> that's where I'm at. I like that. Number 20. <laughs> Walking on Sunshine, Katrina and the Waves. Of course. Then we got Hooked on a Feeling by, is it Blue Swede or Blue Suede? Mm. I, I don't honestly know. And I was going to ask my husband because I assumed he knew. But I forgot, and we started recording, and, well, I've said them both, so one's bound to be correct. Yeah. Uh, next up, Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. Oh, yeah. I Want to Dance with Somebody, Whitney Houston. Get Lucky by Daft Punk. We're Here for a Good Time by Trooper, which is so deep in my soul, and I don't know if that's from my upbringing or not. Uh, Ready to Go by Republica. Oh, yeah. As It Was, Harry Styles. Thank you. Toxic by Britney Spears. About Damn Time by Lizzo. Dancing on My Own by Robin. Su-su-studio by Phil Collins. <laughs> Phil Collins, who does it a little better than that. Just Not by much. Uh, thank you. Uh, I'm Really Hot by Missy Elliott. Untouched by the Veronicas. You Make My Dreams by Hall and Oates. And then, and then we got the top five because this is probably my top five. So there's a reason I put them at this point. Okay. Uh, number five, Empty Threat by Churches. Mm. It has a, it just, it just has a point right to my soul and I don't know how. Uh, number four, Shoop 
by Salt and Peppa. Oh. Number three, Waterloo by ABBA. Waterloo. Love it. More than I should. Mm -hmm. uh, number two, Neutron Dance by the Pointer Sisters. That's number two. Wow. It, that song is the montage song of someone like making a fun Christmas breakfast. True. And I couldn't be happier. And again, I said no particular order, but this is absolutely the number one song. Um, I think it was during the anniversary or maybe it was the other one, um, but I was asked favorite song of all time. Um, and I said uh, Lovers in a Dangerous Time by Bare Naked Ladies. And I stand by that. But this one is up there. This is my favorite happy song because that, that Bare Naked Lady song uh, destroys my heart. But the number one song, Get my heart racing. Freedom by George Michael. No shit. It every time I hear it, I'm like, oh no. What's what's it's yeah, uh oh, uh oh. And I can't. It's I love it so much. I if I had known what I know now, it absolutely would have been on the playlist for my wedding. Wowzer. Yeah, I would have shoved it in there somewhere. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. You you live and you learn. You do. To quote Alanis Morissette. You do. Who somehow didn't make the list, but I'm so sorry. I well, those, I don't know that she has a lot of joyful songs. You're right. You're right. I I am filled with rage and then followed by laughter when I think of that one about Dave Coulier. Yeah. Good tune, though. Solid. Oh, Good God, tune. that album was solid. Yeah. Top to bottom. Dave Coulier, huh? Here's the thing. I don't see his sex appeal. No, I'm not saying that I do either, but he was a comic in real life, I think. Yes. And I will say from experience, comedy boys are impossibly charming. Oh, and yes. I bet you that at the time, that mullet was kind of cute. Sure. You know. Oh, I'm not shaming her. She then, it's, she it's, also. It's just wild. Oh, I don't disagree. But but then she also did um, rebound into, it may not have been right away, but she did have that long period of time with Ryan Reynolds. Right. And my question is, why did it end? Yes. And does she regret it? Because I think the answer to that has to be a yes. If she was the one who ended it, a thousand percent yes. But... See, this is the thing. We need to know why it ended. Yeah. Did he Has she up? ever talked about this? She talks about all of her relationships. Also in Dear Jenna, I liked you a lot. Is Ryan in there? Or did she change the names? Oh, I assume. I have to figure out which one's which. I mean, that's that's something dreams yeah. are made of. That's what I want another murder board for. A murder yes. board of Alanis Morissette's prior relationships and us just trying to think of, dear Matthew, uh, who's who. I mean. Right? I think I've been doing this job too long that I'm like, oh, shit, that might be an episode. I don't think that that's wrong. And I don't think that. Um... Oh. Oh. <gasps> now. I haven't fact-checked this. This is just the first thing that came up. I will remind you, they were engaged for three years. No shit. 
they were together longer. I think they were together like they were together a long time. Both Canadian, though. There's that shorthand. Yes. This says shortly after the breakup, she told Women's Health she was angry at herself for staying in relationships way too long. Later, she hinted that the high profile nature of the union took a major toll. She told the L.A. Times, I think it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. Interesting. Now, at the time of their relationship, she was more famous than he was. A hundred percent. Yes. Yes. And she's three years older. Hot. Yes. I just like any man that dates age appropriately. It's nice. It's nice. Nice. They apparently met at Drew Barrymore's birthday party in 2002. I thought the last that was at Drew Barrymore's birthday party. Ah, it's Hollywood. Everybody knows everybody, I feel like. That's nice. This is cute. Few, year, few unions are purer than two Canadians in love. Thank you, InStyle. I agree. Um, yeah, nice. so they met in 2002, and then they got engaged in 2004, so they were together five years. Wow. And what was he doing in 2002 to 2004 or 2005? Uh, wasn't that around the time of Green Lantern? I don't. Oh, I don't know. Let's. Well, now I'm. I'm. Well, this is. We need like a song, a sound bit, like a little tune for while I while I IMDb things. Oh God, we got to go back through your catalog, sir. I have some quotes I would like to read. Yes, please. She once told people she felt, quote, so loved by him in a trampoline kind of way. What does that mean? That feels to me like up and down. Mm. Then she said, he's like a soul brother to me, except that I want to jump his bones. I adore her for those very terms. Then, uh... It says on her 2008 album, Flavors of Entanglement, she addressed the fallout with her track, Torch, acting as the most direct link. It's really about my grief, she told Access of the song, which boasts lyrics like, I miss your smell and your style and your pure abiding way. Ah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so when they first were together, he had just finished Two Guys, A Girl, in a Pizza Place. Right. Then he went on to doing like uh, Van Wilder, uh, The In-Laws, Foolproof, Blade Trinity. And in 2005, it was Amityville Horror and Waiting. Oh, okay. So it feels like around the time, uh, around the end of their relationship is around the time he was starting to like really get. I mean, I don't know what movie people would consider like his big breakout that people were like, oh, my God, since then. Right. I mean, he did a movie in 2007 called Chaos Theory. It is. I love that movie. Heartbreaking. I know. God. I love that movie. I thought he was amazing in that. Movie. He was so good. Um, um, I have a few more things real quick. Yes. Uh in 2016, while promoting Deadpool on the Today Show, he began singing along to Alanis' 1995 hit, uttering the line, Isn't it ironic? Then asking host Matt Lauer, Don't you think? 
That same month, in an interview with Entertainment Weekly, he did as Deadpool. He told the publication his favorite holiday was Alanis Morissette Day, which is a real thing. Uh, and apparently he pulled that same ironic joke during another interview in 2017 as well. What's that? That's weird. That's like some Justin Timberlake bringing up Britney Spears every interview just to get attention energy. And I don't care for it. It's weird because at that point he was still, he was already with Blake Lively. They'd already had two children. Yeah. Once you've like officially married somebody else, stop bringing up once to me. Well, really, once you've started dating someone else openly and everybody knows you're dating somebody else. Yeah. Stop bringing up other people in interviews. Yep. It's weird. You know? I it's weird. absolutely agree. Absolutely. All right. Last thing on this. I had to pull up the torch lyrics. Thank you. Oh, wow. Oh, dear. Okay, I'll get through these quick. Yeah. I miss your smell and your style and your pure abiding way. Miss your approach to life and your body in my bed. Miss your take on anything and the music you would play. Miss cracking up and wrestling in our debriefs at end of day. These are things that I miss. These are not times for the weak of heart. These are the days of raw despondence. I never dreamed I would have to lay down my torch for you like this. I miss your neck and your gait and you sharing what you write. Miss you walking through the front door, documentaries in your hand. Miss traveling, our traveling, and your fun and charming friends. Miss our big sir getaways and to watch you love my dogs. Oh, wow. Chorus. One step, one prayer I soldier on, simulating moving on. I miss your warmth and the thought of us bringing up our kids and the part of you that walks with your stick-tied handkerchief. And then the chorus again. These are these are things uh, that I miss. These are not times for the week apart. These are the days of raw despondence. I never dreamed I would lay down my torch for you like this. Wow! That bit near the beginning, that was something about uh, they together and they debrief or whatever. Yep. That screams ryan reynolds yeah miss your take on anything the music you would play miss cracking up and wrestling and our debriefs at end of day oh i could see it i also feel like saying she misses his neck i was like that makes sense to me he's got a hot neck i don't i don't know that i can back that up i like that it's a hot neck but wow so once and i mean I assume because they were friends first. Yeah. That Blake knew about it. Does it mean that Alanis Morissette is not played in their home? Uh, maybe. Or maybe she likes to, to be like, I won. I won. <laughs> I love that she's that spiteful. Um, wow. And then how long after their breakup was he married to ScarJo? Not long after, apparently. Mm. Yeah. So then, yeah. did he marry her to try and, like, stick it to Alanis? So was Alanis the one who ended the relationship? And he was like, oh, yeah? Well, I'll show you. And then he marries someone else, and it's like, oh, this is a mistake. We shouldn't be together. Could be. Now, she does say that she is a self-professed love addict, so... That that oh. whole time, um, that that whole time 
was tough for her because she was kind of like very devastated by breakups in general, that it was like really, really hard on her. So that's interesting. Um, I think that you could be onto something, to be honest with you. I think that people, I think that, I think that humans, I think that there's lots of humans that make choices without even like really connecting why. Sure. But I mean, it sounds like something to me. It does also say that that album that she released with that song coincided around the same time Scarlett Johansson released her first album, which I just want to say hashtag justice for Alanis, because that must have been like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I did not recall or know that Scarlett Johansson put out an album. Yeah. Well, that was ob- if if she was with Ryan Reynolds at the time, that was obviously her way of being like, "See, I can sing too." I know, and it's like, oof. Oh, I, I, I'm gonna have to try and hear some of that. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna have to. Oh, she said that it was. After she and Reynolds separated, she admitted to experiencing her own sort of rock bottom after the personal unraveling of significant relationships. And then when she was back on the dating scene, there was a critical difference in what she was looking for. My nature is always hopeful. It's more about values matching now. That's the foundation. That's interesting. He moved on really, really quickly, this says. Two months to go public with his relationship with ScarJo. And they became engaged within a year. Did he start dating her like immediately or is she the reason they broke up? Great question. I just, I know they'll never tell us, but I want to know. I know. I know. What I want is like, Taylor, tell us what you know. She's got to write a book eventually, don't you think? Like when she's older? Oh, I, there's anybody who's dated or been married to any celebrity, I would like them to write a book. And then just tell me what chapters are about that yeah. relationship. Because I agree. That's all I, I agree. Know. It's all I want to know. Well, you ought to know. Oh. On that note, dear <laughs> listeners, thank you for joining us for this last call episode of True Crime and Cocktails. Uh, we're so glad that you're here. We so appreciate your support here on Patreon. It allows us to continue to make all of our content, including batshit chaotic stuff like this that we love. And we're glad that you do, too. Christy, do you want to say goodnight to the people? Good night, Alanis. Yeah, good night, Alanis. And maybe don't sleep well tonight, Ryan. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. What a romp. These two chuckleheads just doing what we do best. Um, This next episode is actually from June 2023, a more recent episode. And this is a lifetime true crime movie time. Is was the name of the episode. So we do a little th- something called True Crime Movie Time, where Christy finds a true crime movie that was based on a real story, breaks it down for you, and then also tells you about the real-life case. Well, this episode specifically is about Lifetime movies, and let me tell you, you don't have to like Lifetime movies in order to be entertained by this episode. Trust me on that. Uh, so sit back and enjoy this happy hour episode of True Crime and Cocktails. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this happy hour episode of True Crime and Cocktails, a Patreon exclusive. We're so glad that you're here. As always, I am your host, Lauren Ash. And as always, I am joined by my co-hostess with the most S, Christy Oxborough. How are you feeling? Feeling great. And uh, something that uh, only the Schmammered patrons are going to understand. I guess only Schmammered patrons listen to this, right? That's correct. <laughs> Fuck. My brain is dead. I was out in the sun earlier. Uh, it's fine. Um I've already got the the turtle back there. Cute. Uh, oh, yeah. I put him with the mugs. Uh, so the turtle's back there, and I'm still sipping away on Ash Brunch Punch. I like that. Yeah. Never forget. Daddy Crabtree. Never forget. If you don't know what we're talking about, go back and watch the replay of uh, this month's brunch. We played the Hunt a Killer mystery murder at the motel game. I got to say, it was a gd joy part of me wants to take that photo tear it in half of like the family being and then i want to like hang it somewhere in here maybe on the bulletin board with them like very ripped in half i like that because that makes me laugh not i mean they're not a real couple so i shouldn't feel bad but i'm shocked that maybe to them maybe to the game makers it was hard because they're like, well, if we wanted it to be obvious, we would have ripped it and then taped it back together. Right. All we're going to do is show that there's a little distance. No one will pick up on that. It's like every woman. I first thing I said when I when I picked up the photos, I was like, there's a distance between them. Like it was yep. immediate. Yep. Immediately. As soon as I the distance, I immediately went to her hand and I went, she's not wearing a ring, but he is. Yep. Immediate. But again, they don't know who they're dealing with, I think, is the they other don't. point. They don't understand what this life is for us yeah. and our patrons, you know, they don't know what they're, they're up against. Correct. And that's their loss. Yeah. But yeah, we got to look into what are the hard, what are the hard hunt killer games? Oh, that's what yeah. we need to do next time. The hard ones do make me nervous, but I love what's, what catches us every time is we're trying to be too thorough. Every time. Every time we try and we waste so much time going like, I don't know. And then inevitably it's like, oh, no, you were right. We need to trust our gut and be like, this is what it is. 
Yeah. And what? then the joke would be we'd find out we were wrong. Oh, no, sorry. These are murder mysteries. I was like, they, they just released murder mysteries. Got it. Got it. Got it. Oh, I'm just trying like to make party. Situation. Yeah. And we're not mm -hmm. looking for we're not looking for, you know, anything too crazy. OK, let's just see. There's nothing that lists them by difficulty. Dumb. Dumb. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Is there a hard one? That's the other question. Oh. What if there's not? Oh, God. I hadn't thought of that. Right? There has to be, right? Their website is no help. It should literally be listing that. It should be like a way to... You know what I mean? It should say like the easy ones, the medium ones for people like us that are trying to, you know, like the first one was our marijuana. It was our gateway drug. Now we're looking for something harder. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We want to take that step right to meth. You're right. See, it there's dead, um, dead below deck, but it's only a two. It's only a two diamond medium. Whereas this one we did today was a four diamond medium. Now, the below deck is the one we have two we copies have. of somewhere yep well ah. we're gonna play it eventually <laughs> oh god then it's like we um, have to be run we, then then we gotta we gotta put like a time element in there up oh, the ante sure you got Ooh. 45 minutes max oh that freaks me out but i'm also into it yeah I, I think it would make me feel alive i don't see any here that are hard and that that, that can't be and i won't i won't it will not do do they just not have a lot of these i guess they mostly do the monthly subscription boxes oh i see oh I'm trying to there we go um i mean we can always potentially look into something else but then it's oh what is this what is this the newest cases. No, oh, now I'm now I'm on their Instagram. Oh, how? Oh, there we go. Limited pre-sale. This was from April 25th. There's a two diamond medium, and then the other one. It's fucking blocked. I can't see. But is this that... one is the homicide heist. Those are actually murder mysteries. Are they? Unless it's an just... immersive murder mystery experience. Yeah. yeah. So why? I mean, Hunt a Killer, we should be tagging them in something. I think they reached out to us at one point, unconnected. If only they knew. If only they knew. <laughs> well, listen, more for us to look yeah. into later. Of I don't have to waste our time uh, Googling now because Chrissy obviously has something very exciting planned for today. This is a happy hour and she has planned... I believe a true crime movie time. Am I correct? Oh, that is correct. Uh, however, I would call it probably a true crime movie time special edition. Wow. Wow. Well, I say we get into it. Well, yeah. I can't wait. I love these episodes. Now, why would this be special? What's the special edition about? And that, dear listeners, is because the movies in question today are all lifetime movies. Oh, what a gift. So the following is four real story, real true crime stories that inspired 
lifetime movies. So it's like a true crime lifetime movie time. Or true crime movie time lifetime edition. I don't know which way we're true going. True crime lifetime movie time, I think is what I'm going right? to call it. It just feels yeah. right. Uh, quick disclaimer before we start. This episode will contain mentions of substance abuse and intimate partner violence. So trigger warning for those who need it. Uh, the first case for today inspired the 2018 lifetime movie. The Lover in the Attic, a true story. Which I recently viewed. Yeah, which that's the joke. That is uh, how this came into my brain. I love it. Because you were like, I'm watching this Lifetime movie. It's insane. And I was like, oh my God, I've actually heard the, the real story behind that. And then that just kind of uh, snowballed into this. I love it. So, oh, I'm going to butcher this without meaning to. Walburga Barbara Corshell known as Dolly, was born June 12th, 1880, in Chicago, Illinois. Her parents, who had recently immigrated from Germany, soon moved the family to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where at the age of 12, Dolly started working at a textile mill managed by Fred Ostrike, who was just three years older than her. The fact that he was managing it at 15? Yeah, I that... not. I'm not built for the 18th. Different time. Not. Different time. Uh, Fred and Dolly were married five years later. In August 1900, the couple welcomed a son, Raymond Harold Ostrich, who sadly died in July 1910 at the age of nine. Raymond's unexpected death caused a large rift between Dolly and Fred. Around 1913, Dolly called Fred at work to say her sewing machine wasn't working. Fred sent repairman Otto Sen... San Huber to the house. Dolly became so taken with Otto that the couple soon started an affair. But something I have to point out about this affair, Dolly was 33, Otto was 17. Not great. Not great. Not great. Even for the time period. Not great. Um, it's possibly the first time on this show I've said gross referring yep. to a woman. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. But, you know, that's a change. It's a change. Yep. Uh, the couple would usually meet up at a nearby hotel or even at the boarding house where Otto was staying. But then Dolly started sneaking Otto into her house. But her neighbors soon noticed and told Dolly's husband. Dolly told Fred she would end the affair. But instead, Dolly got the insane idea for Otto to quit his job and secretly move into the attic in Dolly's house. There was nothing more than a cot, a bucket, and some books. Otto also spent much of his time writing pulp fiction stories. And somehow, Fred had no idea that Otto moved in. Every day, Fred would leave for work, and Otto would come down from the attic, help Dolly with the chores, then they'd have sex, and Otto would return to his hiding place before Fred returned home. Because, of course, if he comes home and finds out the chores aren't done, he's going to think something's off. So he, she needs help to get the chores done to also still have time for sex. Of course. So I love that he helped her for that with that. But anyhow. So Fred would often comment about weird noises coming from the attic or that like food would disappear from their icebox. But at no point did he outright suspect that Dolly's secret lover was living in the attic. 
Dolly just gaslit Fred into believing any strangeness he noticed was likely just a reaction to his stress and his excessive consumption of alcohol. Oh, boy. Fred and Dolly moved to Los Angeles in 1918. And of course, Otto moved as well. Dolly even sent Otto ahead so he could get himself set up in the house's new attic before Fred and Dolly arrived. Which Wild. I, I, oh God. I just need to believe she let him shower when he would come down, use the facilities, not just uh, a bucket. Yeah, I hope uh, so. I hope so. Uh, on August 22nd, 1922, Otto overheard a loud argument between Dolly and Fred and became convinced that Dolly was in danger. So Otto rushed downstairs with a pair of 25 caliber pistols in each hand. Don't know where he got them. A struggle ensued. Fred was shot once in the head and twice in the chest. He was just 44. Dolly and Otto then staged the scene to look like a burglary gone wrong. Otto stole Fred's diamond watch and then locked Dolly in the closet before returning to his hiding space in the attic. And despite police believing that Dolly had killed her husband, there was no proof as she was found locked in a closet, which locked from the outside. So they knew it wasn't physically possible for Dolly to be guilty. Dolly moved to another house. And if you think that means she let Otto live in the house normally with her, you'd be wrong. So creepy. Even in the new house, Otto was banished to the attic where he continued to write his stories. He did manage to get a few stories published and he used the money to buy a typewriter. And while Otto worked on his stories hidden away in the attic, Dolly started a new relationship with a lawyer named Herman Shapiro. But since Herman spent long hours at the office, Dolly took on a second lover, although I guess at this point that would be a third lover, named Roy Klum. Dolly even persuaded Roy to dispose of one of the guns that was used to kill Fred. And then she somehow persuaded a neighbor into burying the second gun in his yard. When Dolly broke up with Roy, he went to the police and told them about Fred Ostrike and admitted the gun was in the tar pits. The neighbor dug up the other gun, but both weapons had rusted so badly they couldn't be linked to Dolly. She was arrested in July 1923 anyway. While awaiting trial, Dolly asked her lawyer-slash-boyfriend, Herman, to quote, buy groceries for Otto and tap on the ceiling of the bedroom closet to let him know he can come out. She also tried to tell Herman that Otto was just her vagabond brother, a lie she told neighbors who first caught her sneaking Otto uh, into her house. Otto confessed everything to Herman, who managed to get the charges against Dolly dropped. And even though Herman knew the truth, he then decided to move in with Dolly where he remained for seven years. I have so many questions about what she brought to the table. I mean, I can't get one man. I can't imagine having all of these guys all caught up in all of this. Dolly was dripping in it. Yeah, she really was. I, I don't get it. I just don't get it at all. I'm so fascinated by her powers. Um, Otto went on the run, eventually moving to Canada, where he changed his name to Walter Klein and got married before returning to Los Angeles. When Dolly and Herman broke up, Herman went straight to the police with the story about Fred's murder. Like almost a decade too late, sir, but neither here nor there. 
Warrants were issued for Dolly and Otto. Dolly went on trial on a conspiracy charge, but was acquitted after a hung jury uh, in the fall of 1930. The indictment was officially dropped in 1936. Otto pleaded guilty by reason of insanity, but was found guilty of manslaughter. However, since the statute of limitations on manslaughter had run out, Otto didn't do any jail time. Dolly remained in Los Angeles, where she married her companion of 30 years, Ray Burt Hedrick, in April 1961. Dolly died less than two weeks later at the age of 80. Otto's whereabouts after the trial are unknown. Probably for the best. Yeah. What I, I wish I'd actually made like a picture of a, like a graph of the different men she was with because it's the fact that she, she got acquitted in 1930 and then within a year met Ray and was with him for 30 years and then was like, I guess we'll get married. What Again. I also, right before her, she passed at age 80. I know what I love also is if she just had left the guns, like, like they got off for the crime. Like if she had just kept the guns, yeah. which by the way, I want to remind you, the police come to a crime scene, didn't search the attic. Correct. Where they would have found the killer lurking. So again, Correct. I'm like, if they're not looking in the attic, just leave the guns in the attic. They, she brought in outside people. That's what got her caught to begin with. Yeah. Like, Otto took the guns back upstairs with him. Like he was hiding with the guns. Yeah, the guns were weren't the, the it's the know. fact that she didn't just leave them there or put them in a wall or something. It's just wild to me that she's like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna use my feminine wiles. Yeah. And I'm gonna make not one, but two different men hide the weapons. And it's like, what? balls on this woman well to be like you know what one man i can trust that one man for sure won't tattle on me with the murder weapon you know what i'm gonna assume two won't yeah i think she's a true I, narcissist that's what it sounds oh, like to me i could see it i also want to know how many boyfriends did she have in that 30 years so many there's no chance she was just a one like there's no chance she learned anything from this and my question is where is she meeting these fellas this is pre-apps yeah. This pre-apps, this is, I mean, they they don't even really have, you know. I mean, where oh, is she, she going to meet these walked guys? Walked outside and maybe accidentally, like, showed an ankle on a street corner. And then suddenly 80 of them were like, I'm interested. I'll help you cover up a murder. Wow. There's just, I mean, it's wild. I can't with that woman. I, I just can't. Bye. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, next up is the case that inspired the 2006 Lifetime movie, Black Widower. Oh. Roberta Jean Wagner, known as Bobby, was born February 26, 1957, in Indiana. In 1975, Bobby married Ricky Mowry. The couple appeared to have had one son before divorcing in the late 1980s. While working in, it, at, in accounting at Inland Fisher Guide, Bobby met foreman Lowell Edwin Amos. They dated for two years before getting married in March 1993. Soon after, Lowell started a consulting business called Preferred Financial. On December 9, 1994, Lowell and Bobby were attending the company Christmas party at a hotel in Detroit, Michigan. 
After mingling for several hours, Lowell and Bobby went to their hotel room around 4.30 a.m. Lowell called his business partner, Nor- Norbert Crabtree. Shut up. <laughs> I wrote this long enough ago. I do not recall that, but. Oh, my God. What are the odds of that? I mean, this feels like it could have been either Daddy Crabtree's daddy. Oh. Or, yeah. you know, maybe a brother. But based on the timeline, I would probably say his dad. Granddaddy Crabtree. Granddaddy Crabtree. Oh, I couldn't be happier about what's happening now. I love it. Oh, God. Uh, so, yeah, Crabtree uh, about, uh, well, oh, Lowell called the business partner about four hours later to say Bobby died from a cocaine overdose. Lowell asked Norbert to come to the room to remove some evidence before they called the police. Wow. Lowell didn't notify the hotel staff until 10 a.m. She would have, he called his friend to say she was dead at 8.30 and waited an hour and a half before calling, telling the hotel about it. Bobby was just 37 at the time of her death. Investigators found a small abrasion on Bobby's forehead as well as two minor bruises on her body, but otherwise there was no evidence of of internal or external wounds. It was determined that she died from an abnormally high dose of cocaine. Lowell admitted to police that he and Bobby had been using cocaine when they got back to their room after the party. He claimed that due to a sinus problem, Bobby couldn't snort the drug so she took it vaginally. Vaginally. There we go. Yeah, because we all believe that. Uh, Lowell claims the couple had sex, did more cocaine, and went to sleep. He says Bobby was dead when he woke up. He said, quote, I touched her and she was cold. He admitted to cleaning up and disposing of the drugs before contacting police. According to the medical examiner, Bobby's blood cocaine level was 37 which is 14 or 15 times the average level in an overdose. There were no needle marks or other evidence of prior drug use on Bobby's body. A vaginal swab revealed traces of cocaine. Norbert's girlfriend, Darcy Ann Smith, told police she went with Norbert to Lowell and Bobby's room when Lowell had called in the morning. Darcy admitted that when they got to the room, Lowell gave Norbert a bag which contained a sports jacket, a syringe with no needle, and a foul-smelling hotel washcloth with an unrecognizable stain. Lowell collected the bag the following day. Shortly after Bobby's death, Lowell moved his business to Vegas. Uh, when a detective started looking into Lowell, they discovered that two of his previous wives and his mother had all died under mysterious circumstances. Here we go. Lowell's first wife, Sandra Heard Amos, died after allegedly hitting her head in the bathroom of their home in 1979. Her autopsy revealed she had a sedative and alcohol in her system. Police found a prescription for that very sedative in Lowell's name. They also found Lowell's thumbprints on pages referring to that very sedative in a physician's desk reference book, which Lowell had borrowed from a nurse at work just months before Sandra's death. And if that wasn't enough, a neighbor claimed 
that they saw Lowell burning Sandra's clothes in a fireplace. And yet, Sandra's death was ruled undetermined. And the case was closed after Lowell's lawyer threatened a lawsuit for harassment of his client. You heard it correctly. The guy who likely murdered his own wife was threatening to sue the people who were trying to determine her cause of death, claiming the murderous husband was being harassed. I'm disappointed that the fear of a lawsuit was enough to deny Sandra justice. Sandra was just 36. Lowell collected a $350,000 life insurance policy following Sandra's death, because of course he did. And then in March 1980, just 18 months after Sandra's death, Lowell married Carolyn Lawrence, a divorced mother of two, who he had been seeing throughout his first marriage. Here we go. But when Carolyn discovered that Lowell had taken out a life insurance policy on her, she was understandably upset. When Lowell refused to cancel the policy, the couple split up in late 1987. Lowell then moved in with his mother, 77-year-old Mary Tolls. Just weeks later, in early 1988, Mary was found dead. No autopsy was ever performed, and Lowell immediately inherited her $1 million estate. After Mary's death, Carolyn let Lowell move back in with her, and sadly in 1989, Carolyn was found dead in their home. Lowell claimed that Carolyn had electrocuted herself with a hairdryer while standing at the bathroom sink. Yep, traces of alcohol and Valium were found in Carolyn's system, but her death was ruled undetermined. She was just 46 at the time of her death. Lowell received $800,000 from Carolyn's life insurance, which, I don't know, maybe should have gone to Carolyn's children? Yep, just a thought. In November 1996, Lowell was arrested and charged with first-degree murder of Bobby. Prosecutors claimed that Lowell sedated Bobby before injecting water-dissolved cocaine into her vagina. That's wild. He then smothered her with a pillow when she started convulsing. Lipstick marks found on a pillowcase supported the theory. It is believed that Bobby was planning to divorce Lowell as she had purchased a house under her maiden name in September 1994 and had moved into it just two weeks before her death. And while Lowell didn't benefit financially from Bobby's death, it is believed he just simply couldn't handle the rejection. It was also learned that Bobby and her mother had loaned Lowell $45,000. Wow. In October 1996, Lowell was convicted of premeditated murder and murder using a toxic substance. He was sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. Unfortunately, Lowell was never charged with the deaths of Sandra, Carolyn, or Mary. However, the asshole died in jail in January 2022, so at least he's dead. Which sounds harsh, but I stand by it. Yeah. The next case inspired the Lifetime movie, The Two Mr. Kissels. <laughs> The, the film starred Anson Mount as Robert, Robin Tunney as Nancy, and the one and only Mr. John Stamos as Andrew. Oh, I'm interested in seeing this. Right? Even with the sound off. Yes. I like I that. I said what I said. Mm-hmm. So, Robert Peter Kissel 
was born April 21st, 1963. He was an investment banker with a master's degree in finance. In 1989, Robert married Nancy Keeshan after two years of dating. The couple had three children, Elaine around 1994, June around 1997, and Reese around 2000. Also in 2000, Robert was hired as a manager of global investments by Merrill Lynch in Hong Kong. The family decided that moving abroad would be an adventure, but soon Nancy started feeling isolated and homesick, and she told Robert she wanted to return to the United States. Robert said no. Ooh. On a trip back to the U.S. in mid-2003, Nancy started an affair with the electrical repairman who had rewired the Kissel's home in Vermont. Robert grew suspicious of the affair and hired a private investigator to follow Nancy. He also installed spyware on Nancy's computer. Nancy claims Robert told her he was going to file for divorce and he was going to try and get full custody of their children. Then on November 2nd, 2003, Nancy gave Robert a strawberry milkshake laced with sedatives. There have been rumors that Nancy made one of the couple's children deliver the milkshake to Robert, but Nancy denies this. Once Robert was passed out, Nancy bludgeoned him to death with a heavy metal sculpture. Robert was 40 years old. Nancy then spent two days living normally with Robert's dead body in her bedroom. Two days later, Nancy rolled Robert's body inside a carpet and had some workmen put that carpet into storage for her. She was arrested six days later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not a foolproof plan there, Nance. Yeah, not great. Not great. While Nancy admitted to bludgeoning Robert, she claimed that it was done in self-defense. She claimed that Robert had been physically and sexually assaulting her for a period of five years and that he abused alcohol and cocaine. Nancy also claimed that Robert was violent towards their children, which has never been proven. After a trial in 2005, Nancy was convicted of murder and given a mandatory life sentence. In February 2010, the conviction was overturned due to some sort of legal error, so a retrial was ordered, and at a second trial in March 2011, Nancy was found guilty again, and her life sentence remained. Nancy and Robert's children initially went to live with Robert's brother Andrew and his wife, but in 2005, the children, who were 11, 8, and 5 at the time, were sent to live with Robert's sister Jane. Now, I said the movie was called The Two, Mr. Kissels, so that means we aren't done with the Kissel family. Robert's older brother, Andrew Michael Kissel, was born August 23rd, 1959. In 1992, Andrew married Haley Wolf, and the couple had two daughters. Andrew worked as a real estate developer and was a treasurer on the co-op board at 200 East 74th Street in Manhattan. Abusing his position as treasurer, Andrew siphoned money into his own personal account and forged statements between 1995 and 2002, he embezzled a total of $3.9 million. Wow. When the board finally confronted Andrew, he confessed to his wrongdoings and agreed to pay $4.7 million if the board agreed to not out him publicly. Andrew and the board entered into a civil settlement in October 2003. But then it came out that Andrew had defrauded various real estate companies of $25 million. Wow. 
Andrew was known to like the finer things in life. He had an art collection. He owned an 80-foot yacht valued at $2.8 million. He also had a classic car collection that included a 1957 Mercedes valued at $420,000 and the 1984 Pontiac Trans Am used in the TV series Knight Rider. <laughs> because, of course. Yeah. When his severe debt surfaced, Andrew sold pieces from his collections to try and raise the money. In March 2006, Andrew and his family were in the process of moving to a new house as they had been evicted over not paying rent for six months. Then on April 3rd, 2006, members of the moving company discovered Andrew stabbed to death in the basement of the home. A t-shirt was pulled over his head and his hands and feet were bound. Andrew was 46 years old. While police initially believed that Andrew's wife, Haley, may have been responsible, uh, in March 2008, police discovered a credit card belonging to Andrew in the home of Andrew's chauffeur, Carlos Truio. Carlos admitted to plotting to kill Andrew with the help of his cousin, Leonard Truio. Carlos pleaded guilty to attempted murder and was sentenced to six years, followed by deportation to Colombia. Leonard pleaded guilty to manslaughter and conspiracy to commit murder, and he was sentenced to 20 years. It's wild to me that they openly murdered a person and got 20 years, and the wife of the brother openly murdered him and got life with no parole. Yeah, it's a great point. But especially this guy who plotted the whole thing and he got six years. He also got sent, you know. Yeah. Still. Still. Oh, God. I love that. I'm like, is this really just one case left? This feels like it's too much. But, well, according to my notes, it's the fourth and final true crime case. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Again, I wrote this a very long time ago. Uh, it inspired the 2010 Lifetime movie, Who is Clark Rockefeller? Starring the ultimate dreamboat himself, Mr. Eric McCormick. Oh! Yeah. And buckle up, because this... <laughs> This is a wild ride. So, Christian Carl Ger Gerhardt's writer was born February 21st, 1961 in West Germany. Throughout his this story, Christian will go by many names. I'm going to try and keep referring to him as Christian for the sake of consistency. In 1978, at the age of 17, Christian left home and moved to the United States, where he told U.S. Immigration he would be staying with Elmer and Jean Kellen uh, while attending school. Christian had met the couple while they were traveling in West Germany, and he simply used their names with immigration and claimed he was staying with them in California in order to enter the country, but they did not know him. Right. But, you know, you just needed the info. They didn't have to verify it. They just needed something. So Christian went to Berlin, Connecticut, where he met the Savio family, Christian told them he was the son of European aristocrats. Out of the kindness of their hearts, the Savios allowed Christian to live with them as a foreign exchange student. He was accepted at Berlin High School in 1979, but Christian soon wore out his welcome as he refused to do any chores. He blamed it on his wealthy upbringing, claiming, well, he never had to do work like that before. 
So not only was he living off these people for free, he also wasn't even pulling his own weight. He refused to cook for himself or do his own laundry. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like that- sounds like a few men I've dated. <laughs> well, this is also a hard pass. You're if I let you in my house and you're like, hey, can you do my laundry? I know. No thanks. Yeah, not great. So when the Savios were done with Christian's bullshit, he moved on to other host families, but eventually decided he needed to make his immigration status permanent. By 1980, Christian was living in Milwaukee under the name Christopher Kenneth Gerhardt and taking university classes at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. While at university, Christian met 22-year-old Amy Gersild, uh, where he told her he needed to get married for a green card. Christian, being a master manipulator, went so far as to tell Amy that if he went back to West Germany, he'd be forced into the military where he'd be shipped off to fight on the Russian front line in the Cold War. The couple were married in 1981, and the following day, Christian took off. Amy filed for divorce in 1992. Wow. Yeah, that she allowed that to go on for as long. Fair enough. Christian moved to California, where he started going by the name Christian, oh, sorry, Christopher Mountbatten Chichester. Doesn't even matter. He's a dick. He handed out business cards that claimed he was the 13th baronet and included a fake family crest. A baronet is a title awarded by the British crown. Christian used the fake title to get in with people in San Marino, including Dee Dee Sohas, an elderly reclusive woman who was a socialite in the 30s and 40s. For whatever reason, Dee Dee allowed Christian to move into a guest house on her property at 1920 Lorraine Road. Christian started taking classes at the University of Southern California Film School before he managed to convince a local TV station to give him his own public access show. Things were going smoothly until Dee Dee's son, son, or, see, uh, Dee Dee's son John Sohus and his wife Linda fell on hard times and needed to move into that guest house. John was immediately suspicious of Christian, who seemed to be using Dee Dee for her money. But then, according to Linda's friends, John was offered his dream job, and Linda said they were heading to New York so he could interview for some high-level, high-security government job. But after two months with no word from either John or Linda, the friend called Dee Dee looking for the couple, and Dee Dee would only say that John and Linda had gone on a secret mission. At the time, Dee Dee was in poor health and suffered from severe alcohol abuse. Dee Dee also admitted her only contact with John and Linda was through Dee Dee's tenant, Christian. Why would Christian be in contact with him? That makes no sense. When detectives asked Christian about John and Linda's whereabouts, he said the same thing Dee Dee had said, that John and Linda were on a secret mission. Dee Dee received a postcard with a New York postmark in April 1985, which read, Looks like we made a wrong turn. Signed, Linda. Yep. In July 1985, Dee Dee told police that Christian had stolen John's truck and disappeared. Three years later, a detective found the stolen truck after it was sold in Connecticut. 
The new owner said the man who sold them the truck was an acquaintance from church named Chris Crow. Chris was a hedge fund manager at an office at the office of Kidder, Peabody, and Company, and was in reality just Christian's latest alias. And somehow he'd convinced people he was a hedge fund manager. I find that fascinating. Yeah. However, by, by the time the police arrived, Christian was already in the wind after getting fired when his boss discovered the social security number Christian had given them belonged to David Berkowitz, the serial killer. What a choice. Yeah. Wow. Right? Yeah. Uh, in classic Christian fashion, when it was discovered he was a fraud, he skipped town and changed his name. In 1992, Christian was living in New York as James Frederick Mills Clark Rockefeller, allegedly from a lesser known branch of the famous Rockefeller family, claiming to be fr um, from that family for the perks. Uh, Christian was able to move around in wealthy, upper-class circles. In 1993, Christian met su successful businesswoman Sandra Boss at a cocktail party. The couple quickly fell in love and were married in 1995. They welcomed a daughter in 2001. But over time, Sandra grew very wary of this marriage. Not only had Christian grown increasingly controlling, emotionally abusive, and at times violent, he also insisted on being control of the money, even though Sandra was the breadwinner. Sandra later said that Christian told her to file her tax return as a single person, even though they were married. She didn't understand his reasoning, and eventually she had a certified accountant file her taxes for her. Years later, Sandra learned Christian had told that accountant that Sandra was his sister, not his wife so that the accountant would file her taxes as a single person. With all the problems finally coming to a head, Sandra and Christian divorced in 2007. Sandra moved with the couple's daughter to London, and Christian agreed to give Sandra full custody in exchange for an $800,000 settlement, two cars, Sandra's engagement ring, and a dress he'd given her. Christian was given three supervised visitations a year. Wow. He agreed to that. During a supervised visit in July 2008, Christian, his daughter, and a social worker were walking in a Boston neighborhood when Christian pushed the super social worker to the ground, grabbed his daughter, and jumped into a nearby SUV and drove off. The social worker held on to the vehicle, which ended up dragging her a short distance before she let it go. A warrant was issued for Christian's arrest, and he was found six days later living in an apartment in Baltimore, pretending to be a sea captain named Charles Smith. His friends called him Chuck. Oh, God. His daughter was found unharmed. Christian was charged with custodial kidnapping, assault and battery, and assault with a deadly weapon. The weapon being the vehicle. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, the um, social worker, I should say, did survive. Thank God. So she was okay. Uh, during the manhunt, Christian's photo was posted all over the news with the FBI asking for the public's assistance in finding Clark Rockefeller. Edward Savio, who lived with Christian when he first arrived in America, contacted the FBI to say the man in the photo isn't Clark Rockefeller. 
he's a German immigrant named Christian Gerhardt's writer. So Christian was then charged with furnishing a false name to a law enforcement officer following an arrest. During the custodial abduction trial, Christian's lawyers claimed Christian believed his daughter had communicated with him telepathically from London, begging him to rescue her. In case you couldn't guess, the defense opted for the insanity plea. Yeah. Two experts testified for the defense that Christian had been diagnosed with delusional disorder and narcissistic personality disorder. Christian was found guilty of kidnapping as well as guilty of assault and battery with a dangerous weapon for ordering the getaway driver to drive away, even though the social worker was hanging onto the vehicle. Christian was sentenced to seven years. After the trial, police started to build a case against Christian regarding the 1985 disappearance of John and Linda Sohus. In May 1994, authorities were called to the house, the former house of Didi Sohus, while attempting to put an in-ground pool in, the new owners discovered human remains in the backyard. Further investigation in the guest house revealed the presence of blood. A medical examiner determined the ma- that the male victim had been struck on the head twice with a round, blunt object and then stabbed six times. The body was then cut into three pieces, the arms and torso, and then as well as the legs were wrapped in saran wrap before being buried. The head was covered in two plastic bags with a telephone wire wrapped around the neck. The bags used to wrap the head were from the bookstores at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee and the University of Southern California. Due to the decomposition, the body could not be properly identified, and since Dee Dee was John's adoptive mother, there was no chance of finding a DNA match. However, the body was positively identified as John Sohas at some point in 2010. Investigators discovered that Christian had convinced Dee Dee that John had abandoned her so John was written out of Dee Dee's will. It is believed that Christian planned to get himself written into the will, but he left the state before he got the chance. In March 2011, Christian was officially charged with John's murder. Police wanted to also charge him with Linda's murder, but there has not been a body, so they have no evidence. The defense argued that since Linda was missing, it was possible Linda murdered John buried him in the backyard, and then skipped town. But Christian was convicted in April 2013 and sentenced to 27 years to life. As of June 2023, Linda has never been found. Christian appealed to have his sentence reduced, and in 2015, a year was removed. So Christian will be eligible for parole in December 2029. A parole hearing has been scheduled for November 2028. Wow. In total, Christian has lived under at least six different aliases while at various points claiming to be a director, a producer, an actor, an art collector, a physicist, an English aristocrat, a negotiator of international debt agreements, and of course, my favorite, the sea captain. And if this man wasn't ridiculous enough, at one point, Christian convinced a woman to help him go on the run by telling her his parents had been kidnapped and that the police detective on his trail was actually a hitman 
that the kidnappers had hired to uh, take him down. Wowzer. So, you know, fingers crossed that man never manages to get out of prison. Reporting for this true crime lifetime movie time, I'm Christy Oxborough. Wowzer. What I like about yeah. this, first of all, is true crime lifetime movie time is just delicious. It makes my heart sing. It's great. Yeah. It's really great. Um, wow. I feel like I was commenting all through, but I have a few thoughts. Um, that lover in the attic movie, first of all, the, the, the male lead in that hot as hell. That's nice. But yeah, but not like young, young, right? No, he was, he was in his twenties when he was, um, playing that part. I believe I checked, uh, but I follow him on Instagram now and, uh, it's, uh, it's a good follow. That's all I'll say. (laughs) Shit. Well, now I'm going to look him up. Yeah. Um, but that movie is wild and a lot of like steamy sexy scenes a lot of sex scenes between those two of course i wasn't mad at it um but the story is also absolutely fascinating um this black widower case i mean the fact that he was trying to say like oh yeah she voluntarily took cocaine in her vagina like if there's anything we know it's that the body when you put it like a sedative like a not a sedative um uh Oh, suppository in your butt, sure. right? Like it hits yeah. your bloodstream super fast. The dosage is like, it's a specific thing. So I'm assuming that it's similar because I know that there was a trend for a while of young gals soaking tampons and vodka and then putting them up their hoo-hahs and boy, oh mm-hmm. boy, oh, you get drunk, real drunk, real fast. Um, no thanks. But again, his major misstep was like, how much cocaine did you put up there? Because of the fact that it was like, she has 15 times the amount. Cocaine oh is something that you can't, you can't, it's not like heroin where if you mix it too potently or whatever and you give yourself a shot, you can overdose, right? Cocaine, right. it's like, unless the cocaine itself is super pure or something, it's like, you're going to have yeah. to keep going back and snorting more and more. So the idea that it's like 15 times the amount that a normal OD would be, again, like, yeah, this is just me shaming him for not being a good enough criminal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't his first time. It was his first time doing it that way, but it wasn't his first time. But also, my thing is, if, I mean, assuming he killed his other wives, which of course we assume, why wouldn't he have just slipped something in her drink? I don't know. The other, well, again, because like he it, got away, he was getting away with the others. And that's the thing. It's like you could have just slipped it in her drink and then used the pillow. I'm not suggesting this is a how-to. I'm just saying, why would you go for that level? But this always happens. We always see this. Killers, They when they change their MO, that's when they get caught. It's like they get cocky. Mm. The narcissism takes over and they really think they're above the law and they can change things and they'll be fine. And they just never can. It's, It's just fascinating when... It's fascinating to me that there's like such a textbook for patterns with killers that it's like how is it possible that so many of them can make the same missteps it's just fascinating to me that it's like Mm -hmm. the through line for so many different killers is always the same now is it possible because i did say he didn't get money from her estate so is it possible he killed the first ones for the money and this time it was she was planning on leaving him Oh, She'd yeah. already moved out in a new house. Is it possible he chose that method of death to embarrass her? 
as like a last fuck you to her in like a I can't believe look at what she did let's all shame her and it's like yeah he murdered her in a horrific way man whether he did it consciously or sub or subconsciously I think you're right it could be subconscious too that it was like he wanted to do something that would be like shameful for sure yeah well for sure for sure I think that's very astute um also the the other wife dying being electrocuted with a hairdryer that's pretty hard to do like have you got a sink full of water in front of you like I, don't know I mean, about that. I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, the two Mr. Kissels really enjoy that name. Um, it's always wild. And we see this a lot when there's like so much tragedy that befalls one family or like at different times. Like it's fascinating to me. Uh, I also just love she rolled him in a carpet and had workmen, quote, put it in storage. Like you knew you were going to get caught. Either her narcissism is so massive that she really thought that she was above the law or I don't know what the other explanation for that methodology could be. It's a, like, they're gonna know as soon they're as absolutely they gonna touch know. the carpet, they're gonna know this is really heavy. Why? This is well, another, a, uh, they're gonna know. Nobody's gonna know. Nobody's, they're gonna know. They're gonna know. Exactly. Yeah. They're gonna know. Because also put it in storage where, it's a, even if for some reason these dumb, dumb movers didn't pick up on the fact that there was a body in the carpet, which by the way, I think any human would, but let's say they didn't. Yeah. So then what they're putting it in a storage unit where it's going to start to smell within days. Like there is no way out of this. And it was already two days in. Yeah. So you can't tell me they didn't pick that up and go, wow. <laughs> First of all, heavier than it should be. And second of all, God, this reeks. Great point. No wonder she wants it out of here. Great point. But also, you made those kids live in an apartment with their dead father? I'm assuming the kids, or I'm hoping at least that the kids didn't see anything, but good God. Yeah. Oh, and then the fact that they got sent to someone else who eventually got murdered. I mean, that's, again, what are the chances? It's yeah. wild. Uh, who is Clark Ro Rockefeller? Towards... Before we got to the end of this, yeah, I was like, oh, is this a non-murder true crime? Because it felt like he was like a grifter and he did the kidnapping and whatever. Sure. But then at the end, no, no, of course there was bodies or one body anyway that they found, of yeah. course, because it always comes back to that. And again, yeah, this guy, this guy also narcissistic personality disorder, like so over the top. It's wild. Um, the idea that he would literally just like shove a social worker to run away with his physically run with his child is so yeah. ballsy in the craziest way that's insanity oh 100%. and that poor social worker who tried desperately to like not have the child taken from her i mean my god she she let herself get dragged this poor woman i mean the fight in her kudos that she was like oh absolutely the fuck not and she was like i'm gonna do what i can and it's like i that shouldn't be in your job description no, I mean, I'm glad she's all right, but I mean, it's insane that she was, I, I mean, good for her, I guess, for trying to jump on a vehicle and let it drag you. I mean, yeah. oh my God. Wow. And then I also, I mean, listen, now this is, uh, I'm not trying to be glib, but then it was also, you know, the new owners of this house are digging for a pool. And what do they find? A body. Uh, mm -hmm. I just feel like, of course, 
that is nowhere near as bad as someone losing their life or the families that are affected by someone being murdered. And I'm not suggesting that it is, but I often think about places, people who move into places. And again, then something is found on the property in a manner like this or whatever. And those poor people, again, not saying it's as bad, but how horrifying is you find this. So not only is it just absolutely traumatic and horrible that you found this, but then also, my God, what your life then becomes, then that property is no longer your own. You're having to let it get searched. It's going to turn into a huge crime scene. You're probably going to be displaced from your house. Yep. It's just what a nightmare. I think about that a lot when we hear about stories like this, where it's somebody random who it gets discovered later. Um, yep. And those are the real, those are victims too. You know, like having your entire life turned upside down because someone did something on your property years prior that you had no knowledge of. Oh, I just, I can't imagine. That must just be so overwhelming. Well, I can't even think about it. I, I would shut down mentally. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And again, the paperwork and the, like all of this shit that like you, you, you didn't ask for that. They didn't ask for that. We're just trying to put in a pool. Yep. Just trying to. And then I'm just like, how much more did they dig? Did you excavate oh, that entire yard to make guaranteed. sure that guaranteed. that other woman wasn't there? I guarantee oh. you they did. And then think about that because also I don't need to tell you what we've seen on this show before too is uh, when places get searched, for example, they don't exactly get put back the way that they're supposed to be. So Correct. I bet you they dug a crater in that in those people's property. And then it was like, okay, backhoe yeah. it back in. And then it's like, you know, Best what is what does that do to your like property value? What does that do to like all of the grown up oh, things yeah. that like, that's just a nightmare that like no one, no one would obviously willingly sign up for. And again, I just find that. Again, I'm not suggesting it's as bad as the murder, but it just sucks. It would just really, really suck to like, oh, I I uh I got this new home and I'm so excited and uh oh I'm not allowed to live there anymore. And they absolutely destroyed all of the property and um well my help my the resale value's gone real down because there was bodies buried here, so I know. That's bad luck. But also, how can you imagine if they didn't put the pool in, how long it may never have there yeah. and but then if they like if they decided to wait to put a pool in and did it like multiple years later and then it was like that's been here the whole time the whole time the whole you know? time oh I'm yeah yikes that's a nightmare yeah i don't envy that um my god well listen christy oxborough fantastic work you nailed it hit it out of the park 10 out of 10. No, I'll go so far as to say 12 out of 10. Hey. Oh, I'll, I'll take that. You know I like a, a a movie time. But to bring in Lifetime was an added delight. I will absolutely be seeking out these three films that I haven't seen. Of course, as we know, I did see the first one, but the rest of them I have not, and I can't wait. Anson Mount and John Stamos on the same screen? I'm ready. Also, shout out Robin Tunney. Yeah. Oh, I've dead. always, uh, you know, every couple of years I rewatch the craft. So, yeah, 
Exactly. That's where she lives in my mind, rent-free. And we thank you, dear listeners, for joining us for this happy hour. We're so grateful for your support here on Patreon. It allows us to continue to make our batshit chaotic chucklehead content, but it also allows us to continue to make our content on our main feed. So we're very appreciative for all of your support, as always. Christy, do you want to say goodnight to the people? Good night, John Stamos. Oh, yeah. Good night, that guy who was in that movie. The first one I follow on Instagram now. His name's Kevin. Good night, Kev. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Oh, here we are. We've reached the end of the show. Uh, we thank you so much. If you are interested in joining Patreon, go to patreon.com slash cocktails to learn more about that subscription-based service over there. There's three tiers of membership, and you can learn all there is to know when you visit that site. We want to send you just the warmest wishes this holiday season, no matter what you celebrate or if you celebrate at all. We know that this can often be a trying time for many. And we send you love, light, positivity. We hope that you... Um, have had an easy season, uh, a joyful season is our ultimate hope for you. But if not, we hope that it just doesn't feel too overwhelming. And we hope that maybe this little surprise Taste of Patreon episode gave you a smile and a chuckle today if you needed it. Um, Bean, do you want to say goodnight to the people? Um, yeah. Just Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and all the other holidays too. Um, you guys are, are the best all of you dear people yeah what she said audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment allow your imagination to be peaked 
by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.